So, we're in the book of Exodus. How many of you have seen Charlton Heston in whatever, the Ten Commandments? Okay, we've got a lot of that stuff there. We had it in Prince of Egypt, the Walt Disney movie. Uh, it, pretty good, pretty good um, representation of uh, Old Testament Scripture. So, we've, so we're up at chapter 9 now. We've already started into the plagues. We've had, I say, uh, we've had five miracles already. The first one's a miracle where the rod turns into a snake and eats up the rods of the other, of the magicians. And then we had the plague where the water turns to blood and we had the plague of frogs and we had the plague of lices and then the plague of flies. I thought the coolest thing about the plague of flies is that afterwards there was not one single fly left. I thought that was the greatest miracle in the Bible, maybe, is that there was no flies. Because I don't know about y'all, but we got a lot of flies at our place right now. They have just exploded. So I'm, I would be down for not one single fly in the land, which is what they had. Yeah. Okay. So we're at Exodus chapter nine right now. Up to now, the plagues have I say only been inconveniences. They're pretty bad. Um, but still, they, something that's happening there and that I can kind of get away from it, you know. I mean, the frogs ended up everywhere and lice, that's pretty bad. But it's still very, very inconvenient. But that's getting ready to change because the fifth plague is, oh, let's do this. How about that? Okay. Here's the fifth plague. Then the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh. Every time he says go into Pharaoh, that means he's getting a warning. He knows what's going to happen beforehand. I believe that he's got the opportunity each of those times to say, okay, I give now. Just quit. Just quit. Go into Pharaoh and tell him, thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go. That says that every time. That's foreshadowing something a little bit later, but... Let my people go, that they may serve me, for if you refuse to let them go, I said in a God voice, uh, and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle in the field, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the oxen, and on the sheep, a very severe pestilence. Now that's not, you know, well, I'd, that'd be a bummer, but it'd be bad to be a horse or a donkey, but... You know, that's a big deal. But I, but I, like I said before, there have been inconveniences before. You know, you've been a little itchy and flies. This is a little bit different. God says something different. He says, grievous M-U-R-R-A-I-N. Say what? Murrain. Grievous murrain right there. That That's a type of, um, is that nine? It's three in what you just read. I thought murrain was a kind of a grain. Where does it say that in here? What it's what's further, it's further down? Okay. It's not on this it's further down. That's the plague of hail. That's that's what I thought when it hurt when it gets the grain in the field. We'll talk about that in a second. Okay. It's going to be on the sh- on the horses, donkeys, camels, oxen, and sheep, a very severe pestilence. And the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. So nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Then the, and it, that's just passive. They don't have to do anything. Just Egyptian cat, and that it's, it's essentially the same land. Um, this would be like. It affects Chandler, but doesn't affect Davenport. Um, But only the livestock of Egypt. Uh, Then the Lord appointed a set time saying, tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. So the Lord did this thing on the next day. And all the livestock of Egypt died. All the livestock, all the livestock. That means food. Uh, It's an economic disaster because they have to have those animals even the rainwater, rainwater. Yeah. Yeah. exactly um, it but it but it's only the livestock 
Now, and there's something, well, we'll look at it. We'll see that in a second. Um, but, but all the livestock of Egypt died. But of the livestock of the children of Israel, not one died. Then Pharaoh sent, and indeed, not even one of the livestock of the Israelites was dead. But the heart of the Pharaoh, because, so he goes, now they said no, no Israelites. But let's just check that out. Let's make sure that's true. And sure enough, that was true. I mean, so that's pretty obvious that something, this is a real thing going on. But the heart of the Pharaoh became hard and he did not let the people go, which is, we knew that was going to happen because that, God said that in the very beginning. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, so he had an, he had a warning about that one, but look what happens here. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take for yourselves, oh, okay, hold on a second. It affected their food supply, but think about the wealth that was involved in that. I mean, of course, throughout the Bible that, People's wealth is measured in their flocks and herds and all that kind of stuff. But, but their food, also the, lot, the oxen that pulled plows and did the labor and things like that. So who, does, who pulls a plow then? Well, some, I guess a person had to pull a plow. Um, That's probably what Pharaoh's going to think right here when he checked out the Israelites. Hard as hard is going, this wasn't God. These are these Jews, these Hebrews that, you know, poison all these flocks over there. Well, then what's to keep Pharaoh from taking their livestock? Yeah. Yeah. Well. Or using them to hold the flowers. Right. Right. I'll show you guys. Yeah. Um, there's, in verse 2 or verse 3, it said, uh, on your cattle in the field. So some people wonder if it only affected what was out in fields and so that maybe the Pharaoh, like his horses for his chariots or something, that since those would be under a stable, maybe they weren't affected the same way. Don't. But, but then in verse 6 it says, all the livestock of Egypt died. I don't know. But if, if the Pharaoh's horses died too, I mean, how, that's a big thing right there. Uh, the ability to make war and all those kind of things, uh, the cavalry. Some more dying later on. That's right. Okay, that's right. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a second. So the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, take for yourself handfuls of ashes from a furnace and let Moses scatter it toward the heavens in the sight of Pharaoh. Uh, and it will become fine dust in all the land of Egypt and it will cause boils that break out in sores on, a ma on man and beast throughout all the land of Egypt. Um, and he doesn't get a warning about this. Jesus, he took the ashes from a furnace and stood before Pharaoh doesn't tell, I don't think he tells him what's going to go on. He just blows his, Pharaoh's going, what, what's this? And Moses scattered them toward heaven and they caused boils that break out in sores on man and beast. And the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils where they've been making more of everything before. They can't even come because they're, because they've got boils. Anybody ever had boils? Yes. Yeah, it's not good. I had it one time. Um, one boil, one time, and it's pretty bad. For the boils were on the magicians and on all the Egyptians, but the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he did not heed them just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Already been told that. So no, no warning about that, uh, but, and, but nothing happened. Then the Lord said to Moses, rise up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh and say to him, I don't know if this was down at the river again, uh, but he says, Say to him, thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, let my people go that they may serve me. For at this time, I will send all my plagues. Okay, my people, I will send all my plagues to your very heart on your servants and your people. This division, he's already making a division in that, uh, like the cattle, none of the Egypt, none of the Israelites were affected, only Egyptians. But he's talking about my people and your people now which is going to come home to roost for Pharaoh later because his people are getting pretty tired of this. Uh, that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Why are the Israelites there in the first place? How? Joseph. But why did they come there? Famine. So the 
There was a famine, and God told Joseph what to do, and he saved all the on 70 Israelites at the time, 70 of them, and saved all the Egyptians. God made that happen. And the the Pharaoh at the time recognized, whoa, your God's a pretty good God. I'm going to take care of you, and, and he does. But then there arose a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph and consequently knew not God. Uh Rise up early in the morning, tell him, uh, let my people go, that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. Now, if I had stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, then you would have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, for this purpose, I've raised you up. I want to show, I've raised you up, Pharaoh, to show what God, what I am, uh, I, I didn't just do something that would wipe you all out. We, we're doing this to demonstrate a purpose. That I may show my power in you and that my name may be declared in all the earth. As yet you exalt yourself against my people in that you will not let them go. Behold, tomorrow about this time I will cause very heavy hail to rain down such as not been seen in Egypt since its founding until now. Therefore, sin now and gather your livestock and all that you have in the field, for hail shall come sin now and gather your livestock and all that you have in the field, for hail shall come down on every man, every animal which is found in the field and is not brought home, and they shall die. So that's the warning. He who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his livestock flee to the houses. So there's some people go, you know, I'm seeing a trend here. <laughs> Why don't you just bring all the horses in, bring the dogs in, bring the people in. Let's all get in before the hail starts falling. Because I see that the so-called handwriting on the wall. He who feared the word of the Lord made him bring him in. But he who did not regard the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock out in the field. Just attempting, tr trying to see what they could get away from with. So there's a, there's a separation. We've had separation of Israelites and Egyptians, but now, so we set the Israel, now we've got the Egyptians that are also separating into believers and non-believers. Um, So then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward the heaven, and then there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man, on beasts, and on every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire darted to the ground, and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with hail, so uh, very heavy that there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation." And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail at all. So, um, so let's read. Okay, we're going to read on. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I've sinned this time. The Lord is right. He's already done this once before. The Lord is righteous and my people and I are wicked. Entreat the Lord that there may be no more mighty thundering and hail, for it is enough. I will let you go and you shall stay no longer. It's actually still hailing while all that's going on. He's going, just make it stop. Uh, I will let you go and you shall stay no longer. So Moses said to him, as soon as I've gone out of the city... I'll spread out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease and there will be no more hail. That you may know that the earth is the Lord's. It's, you, it'll prove that this didn't just happen. I'm going to make it stop suddenly um, and you'll know. But as for you and your servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. Now, the flax and the barley were struck. For the barley was in head and the flax was in bud, but the wheat and the spelt were not struck, for they are late crops. So they weren't beaten down. What's the significance of that? Egypt can still recover. If they'll just stop now, they can recover because they're going to have wheat that's still, they're going to still going to have late crops that are going to come in and they'll be able to harvest though and the people will still be able to live. 
So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread out his hands to the Lord. Then the thunder and hail ceased, and the rain was not poured on the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain, the hail, and thunder had ceased, he sinned yet more, and he hardened his heart, and he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh's heart, neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord had spoken by Moses. So, that's the third time that he said, yeah, I'm gonna be, I'll be good now, I'll let you go, but he still doesn't let him go. That's the third time that he said that, which brings us to 10. The barley is harvested at Easter, Passover, and wheat is harvested at Pentecost. Okay. Yeah. We're too far away from having that crop. That's right. But it's still safe, according to the word right there. Remember that famine is what caused them to get together in the first place. And there's a reference in my Bible referring to Ruth, so she must have picked up Barley. Ruth? Ruth in the book of Ruth. Oh, okay. And that she was, Passover. yeah. So famine brought them together in the first place. Famine, or fear of famine is going to separate them here in the end, but. Both Israel and Egypt were saved in that first time. Now Israel's going to be saved and Egypt's going to be left in a heap of trouble. Now the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I've hardened his heart in the hearts of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine before him, that you may tell, uh, you may tell in the hearing of your son and your son's sons the mighty things I've done in Egypt. Uh, stop right there. They go out in the wilderness and they wander for 40 years, Right? And when they get to Jericho and they go in and Rahab, the harlot, hides the, the spies, she says to them, we've been waiting for y'all for 40 years. We've been worried. They heard, even in Jericho, hundreds of miles away, they heard about the Egyptians. They heard that when the Israelites came out, man, these people are, their God is the, the real God. And, and I think for 40 years, Rahab's been here hearing those stories. Well, uh, her family had, and she is a God. She's a believer when they get there. So, and they save her and probably some others. So, um, you'll tell them to your son's sons, uh, all the, uh, the things I've done in Egypt and my signs, which I've done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said to him, thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? That, that's the problem throughout the ages is the people being unwilling to humble themselves before God. And we have that now. We have a whole culture that says, ah, I'm going to be my own God, which is what, which is what was the sin in the garden. I want to be my own God. Okay. Uh, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. Or else, if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow, I will bring locusts into your territory and they shall cover the face of the earth. There's still grain in the field, right? And they could have changed. But what's those locusts going to do? And the locusts are like our grasshoppers. Now, every year in my garden, I get locusts. I mean, I get grasshoppers that eat stuff up. But, you know, there's just a few. Um, I remember through the years as growing up and being a teenager and we had, we had a garden out back and, uh, and there'd be in a few grasshoppers, but then there'd be a year where there would just be grasshoppers everywhere. Though it would stink driving down the road because people have run over so many grasshoppers that it just, it covers the place. They eat up everything in the field and that's the way it is. They've got, they had late crops that they could have harvested but they're not going to get to because of these of the locusts. Uh, so that no one will be able to see the earth. They shall eat the residue of what is left, which remains to you from the hail, that they shall eat every tree which grows up for you from, uh, out of the field. They shall fill your houses, the house of your servants and the house of all the Egyptians, which neither your fathers nor your father's fathers have seen since the day that they were on the earth to this day. And he turned and went out from Pharaoh. Yeah, bad locusts. Little, 
few grasshoppers, no big deal. This is the grasshopper upon grasshoppers. Uh, and he just walked out and left. Then Pharaoh's servant said to him, Hey, how long shall this man be a snare to us? What they're really saying is, how long are you going to let this go on? Remember, there's groups of people that are separating. Um, let the men go. Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. They're trying to work out a plan that maybe Pharaoh can save some face, but and still get away. Um, I, I mean, there's already been seven plagues. How long are you going to let this go on? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet know that Egypt is destroyed? So Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh, brought back in. And he said to them, go serve the Lord your God. Who are the ones that are going? A negotiation. We talked about that last week. He starts a little bit of a negotiation. Well, maybe I could let you do this, this way. But he says, okay, tell me who's going first. Moses says, we will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds. We will go, for we must hold a feast of the Lord. Remember that, um, he, first he said, okay, go. First, okay, don't go anywhere. Just do whatever sacrifice you need to do in this land. They said, we can't do that because the way we sacrifice is an abhorrence to your people. And so then they'll stone us and you're going to have problems. Well, yeah, we can't do that. So he, he makes out of the deal. He says, uh, and he said to them, the Lord, had, the Lord had better be with you when I let, when I let you and your little ones go. Beware, for evil is ahead of you. Uh, not so. Go now, you who are men and serve the Lord. So he's saying, just let the men go. We don't want your little kids going out in the desert and having problems. Just let your men go and serve the Lord, for, for that is what you desired. And they were driven out. So just let the men go and y'all get out of here. Get. And they drove them out. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts, that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land, all that the hail is left. That's a big thing, all that the hail is left. So Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind to, on the land, and all that day and all that night, and when it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts. And the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested on all the territory of Egypt. They were very severe. Previously, there had been no such locusts as they nor shall there be such after them. How many of y'all saw um, one the last, uh, oh, what's the dinosaur movie? Um, the, uh, the dinosaur movie. Oh, Jurassic, Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. The last Jurassic Park had these altered, they were altering the DNA and they had grasshoppers this big. That's kind of what I picture. Uh, um, they're all over everything. They were severe. Previously, there had been no such locusts as they, nor shall there be such after them, for they covered the face of the whole earth so that the land was darkened, and they ate every herb of the field and all the fruit of the trees which they had left. So there remained nothing green on the trees or on the plants of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. And that's how grasshoppers do. Mm -hmm. uh, when I was in the service in the early 60s, yeah. uh, in San Antonio, crickets, Every night they had to spray and they had, had uh, trucks and, and front end loaders coming, scooping them up, hey, loading great. them up. So, I mean, what did this? You can imagine what this was an example of that. I could mm. not believe it, but well, they just cover everything. We actually had that where we lived in Brownwood, there'd be a certain time of the year. And they had lots of them, June bugs. Uh, June bugs, the little brown ones, yeah. Yeah. Anytime you get that many of a certain kind of insect, it's a mess. Um, uh, well, those crickets are that way, and we had those in Brownwood. There's a certain time of year they'd come some years, and they would just, I mean, you'd come the next morning, and they'd just be everywhere Uh it, it was, and they would stink. They were so, so bad. Uh, so all, throughout all the land of Egypt, 
Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, I've sinned against the Lord your God, blah, blah, blah. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin only, the, only this once, only this once, and entreat the Lord your God that they may take away from me this death only. So he went out from Pharaoh and treated the Lord, and the Lord turned a very strong west wind, which took the locusts away and blew them back to the Red Sea. They remain not one locust in all the country of Egypt. That's how you knew it was God, because... Just like with the flies, not one single fly left. There's not one single grasshopper left in the land. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. He did not let the children of Israel go. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the heaven that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt. Darkness which may even be felt. This is a weird darkness. This is a weird darkness. So Moses stretched out his hand toward the heaven, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. Three days. Remember that. Three days. Thick darkness. How thick is this darkness? They can't even see. They, they can light a candle, and it doesn't pierce the darkness. Watch what it says. For three days, right there, They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. They couldn't get up and do anything. They couldn't get up and get a drink of water. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Now, that tells me that they'd light a candle and the candle would work. But if the Egyptians lit a candle, it didn't work. How does that... That's pretty thick darkness, isn't it? The Lord talks about gross darkness. Yes. It's going to get dark now. Yeah. But where even your life, Billy Graham, I was at a Billy Graham crusade in Texas Stadium where the Cowboys used to play. It was the very first event held in the stadium and the AstroTurf, they weren't even finished putting it all down yet. You could look and see the the layers of, of how, how AstroTurf was put down, and it was still pretty new at the time. It was in the 60s. And at that deal, Billy Graham lights, strikes a match, and they turned out all the lights. And you could see the light from that single match lit up the whole place. This was darkness so heavy that even a match wouldn't pierce the darkness. But the children of Israel had light in their dwelling, so they weren't upset. They were able to do a lot of things, and I think they were pretty busy in these three days. And we'll see what they were busy with here in just a second. So Pharaoh calls Moses and says, Go serve serve the Lord. Only let your flocks and your herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. Still trying to make a negotiation because he's afraid they won't come back. So he's wanting to make sure he he wants some kind of guarantee that they will come back because he's mistreated them. They've been mistreated for several generations now. But Moses said, you must also give us sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also shall go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And even we don't know what with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. So the story is... It might, God might tell us to do sheep or he might tell us to do goats or whatever. But the Lord hardened because there's not a, per, there's not a way that sacrifices are done yet. Now, it, once we get to Mount Sinai and we get the Ten Commandments, when we get all the other things, it tells, they, God prescribes how the stuff is going to work. Just like how we do our practices and worship right now. We, we have an established way of doing that. They didn't. Everybody just kind of did their own thing. Uh, there was a common way probably, but, but he's saying God's going to tell us what to do. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go. And Pharaoh said, said to him, get away from me. Take heed to yourself and see my face no more. For in the day you see my face, you shall die. He's going to prove how tough he is. You, there you go. There you go. Obviously, he's there's no repentance on his part, none at all. Uh, and so Moses says, 
You've spoken well. I will never see your face again. Dun, 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 dun. That should have been, uh, uh, that's the opportunity for Frederick. Okay, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I know I was being all blustery and everything and trying to be cool, but that's making me sweat just a little bit. He says, I will never see your face again. He actually does see his face. Maybe he doesn't. He actually, Moses comes back afterwards, but I don't think he saw, I don't think Pharaoh saw his face. I really enjoyed Pastor Jacob's thread throughout all his message about the music. Uh, yeah. That was dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that idea of this is just those notes that, oh, that should spark our interest. That's the way that song goes, the fifth, Beethoven's fifth. Well, it's that same, it's just, it's different versions, it's different versions, but of those same notes. It just goes on. That's the versions of that all the way through the whole song, and it's very interesting. Only Moses, only Moses. Only Moses could do that. Only Beethoven could do that. Okay, I'm just going to read through this right quick. Because this is like a little parenthesis of kind of what's going to happen, but then we're going to see what actually happens. The Lord said to Moses, I'll bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he'll surely drive you out of here. You won't, you won't be saying, let my people go. He said, get away. Um, he'll drive you out. When he lets you... Uh, Speak now in the hearing of the people. So he's going to make this announcement. Speak now in the hearing of the people. Let every man ask for his neighbor and every woman for, for their neighbor articles of silver and articles of gold. I think something kind of magical happened. There was some mass hypnosis or something. But they asked these people, they asked their neighbors, Hey, can, uh, can you just give me some gold? Can you give me some of your jewelry? And they just did. Uh, and the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, in the sight of all the people. They know who Moses is. He's, he's, words getting around. Moses said, thus says the Lord about midnight, I will go out in the midst of Egypt and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the female servant who is behind the handmill and all the firstborn of the animals. So the firstborn of anything. Anybody is going to... Yeah, that were thrown in the river. Then there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as was not like it before, nor shall be like it again. But against none of the children of Israel shall a dog move its tongue. So it's going to be wailing and it's going to be a mess in Egypt, but in the land of Goshen, a dog's not even going to bark against man or beast, that that you may know that the Lord does make a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down before me, saying, Get out, and all the people who follow, get out, you and all the people who follow you. So not just Israelites, but anybody who's following after them too. Because there's that separation of the, the Egyptian people. After that, I will go out. Then he went from Pharaoh in great anger. But the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not heed you so that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did all these wonders before Pharaoh and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he did not let the children of Israel go out of his land. Um, that's, just, that's just a little thing about what happened. That's not a narrative because he didn't actually go back and talk to the Pharaoh after that. They, all this stuff just happened. But then in the next chapter, 12, we see, the, the, um, we see the, the detail. Because the three days that it was dark, the children of Israel were preparing for the Passover. Because it takes four days for all this stuff to happen. Look at, look at what it says. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. So this is going to... This is going to be the month of Abib, and it's going to, that's going to be month number one, and that's in 
March and April, for what our March and April is, it's that time of the year. That's going to be the beginning of your year, and it's going to stick that way until they go off out into captivity. And for some reason, they change the name Abib to Nisan, but it still remains the first month. And if you look over in Esther, that's when all that stuff happened, was in the month of Nisan, which is the same as the month of Abib. Beginning of months, it shall be the first of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, which I think was during the darkness, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. So one lamb for each household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him his neighbor next to this house take according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day. So they start on the 10th day, and then the 14th day of the same month, you shall keep keep it till then, so for four days. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight, so about 6 o'clock in the evening, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw. Don't eat it boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire like on a campfire. Its head with its legs and its entrails, so they'll put it on a spit and turn it and roast it. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, so you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Both man and beast. So even your dog, the firstborn of your dog is going to die. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. And they had a lot of gods. I am the, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I am, I am. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Uh, so this day shall be to you a memorial and you shall keep it as a feast of the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. The Egyptian, I mean, the Israelites, the Hebrew people, the Jews still do this to this day. At Easter time, they have Passover and they do it in exactly the same way. Exactly the same way. Yeah, after they scrub, uh, they take them to a place to be washed. How about that? Yeah. They uh, do everything the same way that they did it 3,000 years ago. They practice it the same way. And then they eat this unleavened bread for seven days. Uh, and on the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses... For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat. Uh, only So you can do what you need to do to eat, but that's all. Uh, only, only eating. So you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for on this same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generation as an everlasting ordinance. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leavened that same person shall be cut off from Israel. Whether he is a stranger or a native of the land, you shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. So Moses called for all the elders of the Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families. Kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take, which is a symbol for Jesus, by the way, and you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lentil, 
and the two doorposts. So the lentil's the thing over the top and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lentil and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your house to strike you. Everything else the Israelites have been protected from all the other plagues just because of who they were. But in this one, they have to demonstrate who they are. They have to demonstrate that they believe who God is. If they go, ah, that's too much trouble, and I sure do like my bread to be, I like for it to rise. You know when we eat, you eat biscuits that, that didn't rise, how awful it is? Well, that it's kind of like that. They've... Uh, they can't have that good fluffy bread anymore. Uh, and, th- and they've got to agree to go along with that and put, the- I mean, can you imagine this wife who keeps everything all clean and husbands are going to go out there and put blood all over the post? Yuck. But that's how it works. They have to, this one requires a buy-in of the children of Israel. Um, not coming to your house to strike you, and you shall observe the thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land, which the Lord will give you, just as he promised, that you shall keep this service, even when you go into the land. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? And that's how they start the Passover meal every time. Usually the youngest child asks the father, Father, why is it that we do this? And it says it right here. That's what... What do you mean by this service? That you shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed down their ears and worshiped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. Can I mean, we've all seen the movies, but can you imagine how the dawning of how, oh, wow, This is the real deal. Struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne, to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon. Even the captive in the dungeon, their firstborn dies. And all the firstborn of the livestock. I just wonder if it happened to the livestock first, because I can imagine... Pharaoh sitting around, yeah, nah, that's not going to happen, that's not going to happen. And then a guy comes and he says, yeah, your dog just died. Oh, he was the firstborn of that litter. Uh, hey, Pharaoh, your horse just died. Your favorite horse just died. Oh, that was the firstborn. Oh, no. Just the dawning. The, oh, and then does he go to his, does he go to his son and look at him one last time? He, I mean, he knows by this time what's going to happen. So Pharaoh rose in the night, he and his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house, not a house where there was not one dead. Then he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, and just imagine him doing it. He's just lost his kid and he's completely crestfallen. And not only does he have to deal with Moses and whatever, his people are out to get him now. I mean, his, there was a, there was a division. It was already not looking good for Pharaoh, but oh my goodness, it's gonna, it's gonna be bad now. He says, rise, go out from among my people. Not let my people go anymore. Get your people out. Both you and the children of Israel, go, serve the Lord as you have said. Also, take your flocks and your herds as you've said, and be gone, and, and bless me also. I don't understand that. I just... But he's utterly submitted now. Go, just get out with my blessing. <laughs> And get some kind of blessing for me. I don't know if the bless me also means that maybe my son will come back. And the Egyptians urged the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. See, that's what the Passover was for. We, we think about leaven, we think they didn't put yeast in the bread, but it, they may have made it kind of like sourdough or something like that. I think that's how they're, they didn't have packages of Fleischmann's like we use. Um, they 
they had a starter and did like sourdough, I think. But he said, get rid of that stuff because you're not going to need it because you're not going to have time for your dough to rise. You know how you make a loaf of bread and it takes all, unless you got one of those machines, it takes all day of you turning it and making, and then waiting and coming back 45 minutes later and you stir it again and then there, and then you let it rise. Will they leave in such haste that they don't have time? Is that right? Okay. I'm going. What I did was look up a recipe for it, and it, that's what it said. You, every 45 minutes, you come and turn this thing over. Well, how long does yours rise? And that's it. And then you put it in there. Well, they could. If what do you do? It do you put Fleischmann's in yours? Yeast. Okay. All right. Well, they didn't have Fleischmann's, and that isn't a thing. If you, do, I know, Jimmy, I can tell you've not missed any bread, have you? I know, I saw that. I saw the picture you posted. But the point of this is we've got to go fast. We don't have time for our bread to rise. And we're cooking over the fire because we're not going to clean pots and pans and stuff. We cook over the fire to get it done and because uh, we're going to be traveling people now. Uh, but they said, just get out, get out, leave the land in haste. For they said, we shall, or we're all going to be dead. So the people took their dough before it was leavened, having their kneading bowls bound up in their clothes on their shoulders. Uh, uh, now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses. They had asked the Egyptians for articles of silver, gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. I think it was like, you want gold? Here's your gold. Uh, whatever it takes, so that they granted them what they requested M- magically. I mean, the Egyptians, you know, they knew their gold, and they're not going to just give gold away. God made them give the gold. And thus they plundered the Egyptians. When you think of plundering, what do you think of? Pirates. You, you what? Pirates. Argh. <laughs> You think of, you go in and you utterly conquer a people and then you, you've beaten them in war or whatever or on this, the seven seas. You think of the Vikings, they come in and they kill everybody and then they plunder. They get what's left. They get all the stuff. But thus they plundered, air quotes, plundered the Egyptians. They didn't have to beat them in battle. They didn't have to beat them on the high seas like the pirates. They plundered them by saying, Hey, do you think you could give me some gold? Yeah, sure. Here. That's that's what is called plundering in this story. They sent the women. They sent the women what? Oh, okay. So the children of Israel journeyed from Ramesses to Succoth, about 600,000 men on foot. 600,000 men. So the estimate is that that's 2 million people. How long would it take them to get out? Y- y'all get in a hurry. Okay, start, mo- head them up, move them out. And uh, 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 a million people were walking out of the city. I, I, I rode in a bicycle race one time called the Hotter Than Hell 100 in Wichita Falls, and it was a 100-mile bike race. And there were 10,000 riders, and it took a solid hour for the last one to get across the line. How long do you think it took for two million people on foot dragging stuff with them and kids on the, y'all know how long it takes to get, get out with kids and all that kind of stuff. So, but two million people. A mixed multitude went up with them also. So the Egyptians, other, other nations of people that go, I, I see, I see how this works. I'm going to go with these guys because they're, they're blessed. Uh, and flocks and herds and a great deal of livestock. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough, which they had brought out of Egypt, for it was not leavened because they were driven out of Egypt and could not wait, nor had they prepared provisions for themselves. Now the sojourn of the children of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. That's how long they were there. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, on the very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night of solemn observance to the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord, a solemn observance for all the children through generations." 
And they're still doing it today. And the Lord said, to, even though there's no temple anymore, there's no tabernacle, there's no Ark of the Covenant, there's none of those things. Moses' rod, there's, they don't have any of that stuff. But they're still doing this. Um, this is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat it, but every man's servant who is brought for money. So if you buy a servant from another land, when you've circumcised him, then he may eat it. A sojourner and a hired servant uh, shall not eat it. In one house it shall be eaten. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. Jesus again, right? All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger dwells with you, and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised and let him come near and keep it. And he shall be as a native. That's a buy-in right there. You have to, you're, you have to be committed in order to want to be a part of the children of Israel if you're going to get circumcised, especially later on. And, uh, but once they get circumcised, they can, uh, they shall be as a native of the land for no uncircumcised person shall eat it. One law shall be for the native-born and for the stranger who dwells among you. Thus all the children of Israel did, as the Lord commanded, Moses and Aaron, so they did. And it came to pass on that very same day that the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt according to their armies, or according to their tribes, their divisions and all. And that is the story of the plagues. Man. There's a lot of detail in there when you look at it that, I mean, things that I hadn't thought about before, like that after, after the hail, the, the Egyptians had a chance that they could have survived with the crops that are left over, the late blooming crops. But once they didn't, once they said, nah, I think we'll do it our way, then the locusts come and devour it all. And there's no chance after that. Um, and I, you know, I told you at the beginning we're f- pretty familiar with the story, but um, those, the detail of it, and how how God's plan works, and we see just little seeds of Jesus, even God's future plan that uh, what's going to happen with that Passover lamb, that um, the, that's the ultimate Passover is that when we. When Jesus went to the cross, um, so, Amen. God's been working for a long time, and He's still working in our lives. Still working today. That's right. Still working in our lives, even right now. And He's just as trustworthy. Uh, but it does require buy-in. It, it requires that you receive that gift of Jesus' work on the cross. So, let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for protecting it throughout the generations for thousands of years. And that Word is alive and still just as powerful today. And we live by it, Lord. May we, may we fall more in love with Your Word and... and, and uh, Commit it to our memory and be familiar with it and know it well because in knowing that word, we know you because it is your revelation of of yourself to us. Not that we invent a a belief system or or invent an understanding or or just fly by the seat of our pants. You've given us this clear word, um, which is yourself. Um, Bless us as we go. May we carry the word. May we carry the love of Jesus everywhere we go. In his name we pray. Amen.